This is episode number 109 with founder of Business Science LLC, Matt Dencho. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome everybody to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today I've got a very inspiring guest on the show. Matt Dencho is the founder of Business Science, a consulting firm in the space of data science, which uh, works with companies ranging from startups to Fortune 500 companies. Not only is Matt the founder of Business Science, but also he's the author of multiple R packages, such as TidyQuant, TimeTK, Sweep, TibbleTime, and others. And so therefore, if you're an R fan, this is definitely an episode for you. And even if you're not, you will learn a lot about the journey of a data scientist through his career, how he started out in a completely unrelated field in uh, mechanical engineering, and how he progressed into data science and how he even started his own consulting firm. So we talked a lot about a lot of different things on uh, this podcast, include, including the background, including the packages. And of course, we even went through some case studies. So Matt has some very popular blog posts uh, on uh, some data science techniques and analytics that he's uh, done and that he's proposed. And uh, he walked us through a couple of those. So all in all, a very exciting podcast. Can't wait for you to hear it. And without further ado, I bring to you Matt Dencho, the founder of Business Science. Welcome everybody to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today I've got a very exciting and inspiring guest, Matt Dencho, who's the founder of Business Science. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. How are you going today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Kirill. No, no, uh, the pleasure is all mine. And uh, you are calling in from Pennsylvania. What what a interesting location. I've never been to and I don't think we've had guests from Pennsylvania. Uh, are you originally from there? Yeah, so I, I grew up in, in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm actually located in State College, PA, right next to Penn State, uh, mm-hmm. the university. Yeah, I'm just looking at your LinkedIn, and you got a proud photo of the PSU football stadium. Is that right? Yes, yeah. P- Penn State undergrad, graduated mechanical engineering from mm-hmm. Penn State back in uh, 2006. Nice, nice. And uh, now you've got your own, um, is, it, is it a consulting company, business science? Yeah, so that, that's that's the primary focus of us. So what we do at Business Science is really uh, applying data science to business and finance. Um, so we work with like organizations anywhere from you know startup all the way to like Fortune 500, and uh, just helping them apply machine learning and data science uh, within their organization. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's really cool. And so, how long have you guys been around for? We actually just LLC'd back in February, and it seems like a long time ago just because we've been very, very busy and very active, mm-hmm. but it's really a pretty young company at this point. Yeah, wow. That's, uh, it, I, know, I know exactly the feeling. Like It feels that it, well, it's, on paper it's recent, but you've probably done so many different projects. That's so cool. 
Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of projects, a lot of um, speaking events, uh, and then also we're we're pretty heavy on the open source um, software side. Mm-hmm. So a lot of work that's been going in, into that. Awesome. And so, how would you say uh, is it hard to start a consulting company in data science these days? Like, did you right away experience a lot of demand for your services, or did you have to look for clients for some time? So we we're kind of unique in that, like. I basically LLC'd the company because of demand after I put out my first art package. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called TidyQuant. Mm-hmm. So we started to see demand um, for people who wanted like the finance services um, and, and really like creating like shiny web applications, mm-hmm. you know, which just, just allow you know, people to have like interactive data science mm-hmm. like on their websites. Mm-hmm. So in order to be basically be able to do that work and not have, you know, a uh, liability on, on my end, you know, that's kind of how it started. Yeah. And then it's just kind of grown from that. Awesome. So you developed a couple of packages for R. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the main one is TidyQuant, um, yeah. but we have, have four core packages. Mm-hmm. So t- TidyQuant's like financial analysis. Um, it's starting to be adopted more in industry right now. Mm-hmm. We also have, and they all kind of center around time series analysis, which is something that I'm, I'm particularly pretty passionate about. So we have uh, Time TK uh, for time series machine learning and working with time series in R. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Sweep, which um, is for tidying the forecast workflow from uh, Rob Hinman's forecast package. Mm-hmm. And then we have Tibble Time, which is something that my uh, my software manager Davis Vaughn, he's the he's the author of that or the uh, the creator of that uh, and co-author of it. And really, that's that's a super cool package. Um, very excited about it. It's for analyzing time series uh, actually in the tidyverse, and it's really what we wanted to do from like from day one with tidyquant. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, but we're now able to do it with this new package called Tibble Time. Tibble Time. Okay, that's that's really cool. So, um, and these are packages that anybody can go to the R um, repositories and just download. Yeah, so if they if they want to go on CRAN, which mm-hmm. is the the R repository, um, they can download TibbleTime or TidyQuant. It's all it's all f- free and open source, mm-hmm. and um, we're really excited about them. So you know, we, we definitely encourage people to download it. That's awesome. So guys listening to the show, make sure to go download uh, TidyQuant, TibbleTime, Sweep, Time TK. Just see even just to see what what kind of innovation goes into somebody becoming so popular that they have to, or so in demand, somebody's services becoming so demand that they have to go and start a consulting company. So Matt, how many uh, people, if, if that's not uh, sensitive information, how many people working in your company right now? Uh, it's, it's actually just three of us right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's me, um, it's Davis, our software manager, mm-hmm. and uh, my, my wife. So we all kind of have our own our own roles. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm I'm the I'm the founder and CEO. So mm-hmm. kind of the face of the company, yep. doing the the data science circuit and the podcasts uh, <laughs> and, and the podcast circuit. Yes, <laughs> which which this is actually my first podcast. Oh, so congrats! Super cool. Yeah, I'm thank super you very excited. Much. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, d- doing that. Um, also working on software with Davis. Um, although that's kind of his his area of, of responsibility. And then uh, what my wife does is, is kind of the stuff that I, I honestly can't stand. Mm. So it's like the, the contracts, you know, making sure that we're, we're buttoned up from a legal end and, and, all, and all that sort of thing. Oh, wow. You're very lucky to have her on your team if she's taking care of all of that. <laughs> yeah, she, she's awesome. So I'm, I'm super happy. That's, that's fantastic. All right. So 
that's uh, that's your business right now. And so, you, like, there's so many things that uh, I wanted to ask you. You have such a diverse background, and I'm sure we won't even have time to go into all of them. But probably, like, the most interesting thing, or the couple couple of things that I would love to talk about is a bit about your background. You know, what inspired you to get into data science? How you how this journey came to be, and uh, what inspires you to keep going? And the other thing that our listeners are always very interested in is case studies. Yeah, you run a consulting company. You have some very interesting blog posts, which we'll talk about in a bit. And maybe you can also run them past us and tell us how they came to be or how um, those case studies unraveled. So, out of those, two, do those two sound fun? And where would you like to start? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can just start if you want to do uh, background. I mean, that, that's a good place to so people can kind of understand where I'm coming from. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good with both of those. Uh, I think we've got a lot of, lot to talk about. Sounds good. Let's get started on the background. So let's start all the way back. Like we know you were born in Pennsylvania and uh, probably you'll skip the high school part. And then you went to university. So you started, studied Bachelor of Mechanical Engineering. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, right. that's correct. And, uh, and you also even did uh, Master of Industrial Engineering. Sorry, I'm stalking your LinkedIn right now. <laughs> yes. And so how uh, did that and, lead you to doing data science? So, okay. And you have to understand, so da- data science, I mean, being a relatively new field, it wasn't around back then. Mm-hmm. So they, they had computer science, which really, you know, that, that kind of wasn't my area of expertise or, mm-hmm. you know, going at, coming out of school. So going from high school into university, you know, I really was strong with the maths and the en- and engineering just seemed like a kind of a natural fit for, for um, what where my skills were. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of I, I just fell into mechanical engineering. Didn't really ever didn't even really do a whole lot with data, to be honest, up until just at, at least on a professional level um, up, up until uh, my first management role. Mm-hmm. So um, I graduated in 06. Um, I immediately went to work for a company out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, that was like a, a Navy subcontractor, and we we made uh, my my particular responsibility was valves. What were, uh, valves? Yeah, valves. Okay. So like actual the mechanical, you know, like yep. they they open, they close, and and fluids go through them. Yeah. So th- there wasn't a whole lot of d- uh, data science being done there, except for maybe on the engineering side. Mm-hmm. So um, pr- being you know math uh, driven, heavy on statistics. But it was primarily in Excel, and that's where I first got my exposure to using like my first, we'll call it a, a data science tool. Mm-hmm. But it, it was Excel. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure and, 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 a lot and, of our and, listeners will disagree with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, but, I know, I know, I know. And, yeah, and yeah, but I, 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 to, I totally time. agree. I totally respect Excel. I've used it myself. I yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Right. So um, you know, uh, on the professional side, what I did was I went into um, and I eventually got a job with another company, and I was th- and I was thrust into management. So at that point in time, um, I, I knew nothing about management, um, and eventually I actually started to oversee like sales, part of the sales department, like technical sales, mm-hmm. because of my engineering and technical background. And at that point in time, I was just like kind of you know, somebody who was totally unfamiliar, couldn't be further, you know, outside of my element, trying to trying to manage a sales group to help, you know, drive the organization, you know, obviously, the hope is to make a profit, right? Yep. The one thing that, you know, you kind of get when you when you put somebody like with a technical mindset in, into these, uh, into these roles, 
they, they want to understand it. And for me, that was really data. Mm-hmm. So I, I started collecting data on things like, you know, uh, just anything I could get my hands on. Like I, I was measuring everything, whether it was like how many quotes we had, what customers we were, we were quoting, whether or not they converted into orders, you know, just even stuff that probably had, had no like relationship to anything. Yeah. Um, I, I was trying to collect it as much as I could. So my relationship with data became more out of necessity. And then uh, really just started to see like some some value. So back in 2011, I think is when I when I got my first management role, I quickly found out that Excel was not a good tool for um, the amount of data that I was collecting. So I was I was getting I was it's called an ERP system mm-hmm. stands for Enter- Enterprise Resource Planning, but basically it's a database that you can download, you know, uh, sales histories from mm-hmm. something like Salesforce, right? Yeah, yeah, sort of like Salesforce, um, except very, very crude, and it's just orders data. It's nothing mm-hmm. like with quotations or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, you you, de- you dump that into Excel, and after a certain limit, it just it, it totally shuts down. Yep. Uh, you can't even open the files. Um, so I, yeah, I, I started there. running like, yeah. I, I, so re- that's when I recognized, okay, so there's got to be a better way, right? Mm-hmm. And that led me down the path of Python and R. So, so getting involved with those two, um, so initially I actually started out with Python mm-hmm. kind of the, the issue for me was, was more, I w- I'm kind of, I'm coming from it, uh, coming at it from like a statistics perspective of uh, being an engineering. So, uh, Python was a little bit too foreign for me because of the, the, the code, uh, you know, it was a computer programming language, which is great. Um, Not a statistical but, focus but language. For, yeah. But for a statistics person, um, R had some, some benefits there that, I kind of gravitated to, so eventually um, got started in R and really haven't haven't looked back. I mean, you know, it's you, you get that wow factor. Um, I think it's like you, you do like one single project, and for me, it was um, actually analyzing our customers and being able to uh, group them into into customer segments, mm-hmm. um, just just based on like their ordering patterns. And for me, and that, that's just like something simple nowadays, like with K-means clustering. Yeah, but but um, for me that was the wow factor, and from there I was I was hooked. I was like, man, there's there's so much that we can do in in business um, with with these tools. Yep, and and do you use R Studio for uh, your R programming? Yeah, so absolutely, um, R Studio. Uh, in fact, um, we're we're an R Studio partner, so mm. uh, business, business sciences, and really the the R Studio IDE, which is what I think what everyone uh, is most familiar with. Yeah, um, it's it's probably the best ID out there um you know i know like there's visual studio and, mm. and some other uh, really good ids on the python end you know i use jupyter notebooks a little bit but mm. um really 99.9 percent of what i do is is uh, typically in our in our studio okay very interesting so okay like before we continue with your background could you tell tell us a bit of why except for back then I understand, I understand the reasoning why R back then. But now, let's say somebody's starting out and they have the choice between R and Python. Why would you give preference to R over Python? Okay, super question. I know there's you know, probably going to be a lot of debate on mm-hmm. this, but my, my specific needs um, are not only being able to have like a, a super accurate algorithm to be able to do prediction and uh, um, typically like you know, with machine learning, with programs like H2O, XGBoost, you know, some of those, um, 
you know, high end algorithms yep. uh, that are known for their accuracy. But uh, in business, you also have to be able to explain the data. So what, what that means is you really want to be able to understand, you know, what the drivers are in your models, you know, just, just telling, just, you know, t- uh, telling an executive that, Hey, you know, I've got this, this shiny model out there, you know, it's really, really strong. Uh, it's got, you know, great, like AUC uh, area under the curve, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's high performance. That's uh, sorry, them. sorry, by shiny, do you mean the shiny, the R shiny or just, no, 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 yeah, yeah, okay. sorry. <laughs> yeah, you've got this really like cool, cool model. I, just, I just mean cool. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, you know, algorithm um, that gives you high performance, right? Yep. So, when you're in business, um, and and also in finance, um, and and uh, most like if you're working in economics or you know those types of um, uh, areas, you really need to be able to to explain that data and what what's being able to drive your models. Mm-hmm. So, what's nice about R is it's very it's got a, a very robust set of tools. The ones that I use the most. So for like data visualization, it has ggplot. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has the interactive libraries such as Plotly, Leaflet, you know, all, all of the like really um, great visualization libraries. So, you know, I think that that's something that R is, is pretty strong in. Also, uh, we, we just talked about Shiny. So the actual the ac- application, mm-hmm. uh, so, so powerful in business. So if you go to like these conferences uh, that talk about are in the enterprise, most of the conversations are going to involve Shiny, the um, the actual like I, I call it, it it's a it's a web application framework, but what it's really good for is like rapid prototyping web apps and just building them very quickly mm-hmm. with with a very few lines of code, mm-hmm. and um, and making it interactive so you know your the people that you're interfacing with can actually not not only just see the results but actually interact with uh, the data science. Yeah, the interactivity of Shiny is like one of the most powerful elements and helps it become like rival tools like Tableau, Power BI and so on. And um, yeah, it's uh, I think it's very important for people to have that in their toolkit if they're following the R path. Absolutely. So, so, so like I, I'm, I'm gonna play the devil's advocate here and uh, say like all, all that's that's a very good reasoning and I really appreciate you going into the detail here. However, there will be people who uh, are listening to this podcast who will uh, give you one uh, counter argument, and I'm just interested to see how you will react to that. So there's there's one aspect of data science which is evolving rapidly, which is deep learning and artificial intelligence, which is much easier in Python, which is possible, and uh, that is actually happening in Python. You can do some deep learning in R, some basic deep learning, but I haven't heard of more advanced artificial intelligence or computer vision happening in R. What are your views on that? Like, is that a concern for you or is that something that uh, you're just, uh, something that you don't see your business evolving into in the future? Um, Actually, I see our business evolving into that like right now. So yeah, I've I've actually been using some of the um, new packages. Uh, So there's the Keras package in R, so it's it, they've actually uh, it's, it's it's run it's built by R Studio, the folks there. So they have I think it's called uh, Keras. They have TF estimators and they have TensorFlow that are now uh, ported into R, and they're actually pretty easy to use. Um, it kind of follows the same type of um, approach that Keras and Python uses, um, except you can do it with with the pipes 
in, in R. So if you're familiar with like the tidyverse and and the uh, Magritter package, you can you can do uh, piping with it. So it's it's pretty cool. For your broader point, so Python is um, very well established for deep learning, and I agree with you 100% that you know right now probably I would say like 95% of people who are doing deep learning, they're doing that in Python. But that's that's where it is right now. These packages that I just spoke about with um, that R Studio has been developing, and they have a whole website on it. If you just like Google uh, Keras R Studio, it, it should pop right up. But it's um, it looks to be pretty robust. In fact, I'm, uh, I think one of my next blog posts uh, is going to be using Keras in business applications because of the deep learning and, and some of the benefits you get with uh, being able to, to to really easily get interactions. You know, when you have have feature interactions, you know, from the deep learning. So that's that's something that I'm super interested in. Um, I think I think Python probably is going to be the leader for, you know, a while in that. But it's certainly if you're um, interested in doing like business analysis, um, I wouldn't let it. I wouldn't let that turn you away from from R because, you know, and as as we see these two languages evolve, they're uh, they're kind of going uh, very very parallel paths. So it's there's not going to be a whole lot of these libraries that are only available in Python or only available in R. You know, there's going to be a lot of kind of mixing and matching. So, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, thank you. That's, there's some great encouragement for those uh, who are passionate about R but afraid a bit about getting left out in terms of deep learning and AI. Uh, you're hearing it straight from uh, firsthand experience, uh, Matt. And uh, yes, yeah, been- st- yeah. Stay tuned with with business science because we are going to be putting a blog post out. Um, I don't know how soon that's going to be. I hopefully, probably, maybe not this month, but but next month, I expect to have a a, a post on Keras and R. Awesome. What's what's the website where they can uh, read about these blog posts? So it's it's just our business science website. You can either Google business science and it should be the first hit, or you can just uh, type in www.business-science.io. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay. So, is there anything else we need to know about your background? One other area, and I, um, it's kind of it's interesting. A lot of people don't understand or don't know about this. The tidy quant package. So I, I do business analysis as like my that was, that was always my professional really use for for uh, these data science tools, but personally I also um, have been an investor and uh, just just with my own and and now my wife's um, since we've been married managing our own um, investments. I think that's important to understand is you know there's these tools out there uh, again it's it's with the R programming language. If if people are interested in investing and and um, learning how to do um, to to create portfolios and optimize portfolios, you know there's a lot of tools out there, and R is a really good language, and that that's kind of what I ended up using on my on my personal <laughs> for my personal investments after I got my my butt whooped uh, in the financial <laughs> crisis. Yeah. So yeah, two two thousand eight came and and uh, kind of I lost pro- probably about sixty or seventy percent of my. Uh, my net worth of investments, well, just just the investments portion, at that point in time. So, I started using R. Well, I started using Excel yeah. at first, good. but uh, quickly switched to R uh, once I figured out that there was um, some some good tools out there for that. Interesting. So, with uh, TidyQuant, you're literally putting your money where your code is. 
Nudge yeah, mob, so, nudge mob yeah and and really um it was just to make my life easier because i was doing these same type of processes over and over and over and i but i really like the tidyverse and, and tidyverse just, just didn't have the, the tools for for financial analysis so this is literally the package that i use when i do my, my own personal portfolio analysis and it's being used in industry right now i you know i, I don't want to mention names but we're, we're talking with like very prominent financial institutions, actually working with one right now um, to, to get the, the Bloomberg, which is the RBL, P-A-P-I, RBL Poppy. It's, it's the Bloomberg terminal, which every financial institution uses. We're getting that in, integrated into TinyQuant right now. We're going through the, the beta testing on it. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Congrats. That's a big step. It'll open up lots of opportunities for you guys. Sure. If you don't mind me asking, what kind of markets do you trade for your personal investing? Mainly uh, domestic, so um, S&P 500, um, uh, Russell uh, for the small caps. I don't really get into too much overseas just because of the Forex, um, just the, the risk that you, it's additional risk. But, but um, my whole basis is uh, try to maximize return, minimize risk, and minimize correlation between the, um, the investments that I select. Yep, get that portfolio uh, effect going. Yeah, so so you got tidy quant, which helps you do all of that. Awesome. Well, we we definitely have lots of uh, listeners who among our audience who are interested in both data science and trading. So it's it's actually really cool that you bring us up because uh, a lot of them ask about time series analysis and so on. And it seems like these are exactly the right tools to look into. So guys, make sure to check those out. Okay, cool. So how about we move on to the case studies now? Sure. All right. So. Uh, you have a couple of very interesting blog posts, and uh, one. So the ones I've uh, had a look at are HR analytics using machine learning to predict employee turnover, and sales analytics how to use machine learning to predict and optimize product back orders. And just before the podcast, you mentioned that your HR analytics blog post is uh, gained some has gained some traction. It's quite uh, becoming quite popular. Let's maybe start with that one. Sure. Sure. So. Just so everyone understands, kind of the I've I've always been a blogger. Um, I've been uh, doing blogs for probably uh, two or three years now. But really, like the the process that I go through with having to do the research, and and it, and it just helps kind of push me as a as a learning process. So the, these articles that Kirill you mentioned um, are are really no different. For me, the, the HR analytics article um, that that's the one that's um, the most popular. And really, the, the cool thing about that is we're taking a problem like employee turnover, which every organization out there has, you know, varying to, to varying degrees. And what we're really trying to do is, is show that you can actually use these tools, um, the tools that, that uh, and, and machine learning tools, they're always evolving. But the two, the two tools that we use in that particular article are H2O and Line. So... H2O is, is really neat because, um, you know, it's, it's automated machine learning. And this, this was um, something that I think uh, a lot of users really like uh, was, was just their, their first exposure to it. So I think that that's one reason that, that the article did very well. And then there's this other package called Lime, um, which is actually used for explaining uh, the deep learning mo- models and the, the neural networks and the, the stacked ensembles and, and, and those types of models that traditionally uh, are very, um, you, you just really don't have, have uh, mechanisms to, to show feature importance, which, which you need for business. Uh, 
so anyways, that, that employee, um, that, that employee turnover problem, we really wanted to showcase how you could use these tools to solve that. What we did was we used, uh, we, we worked, one of the problems is, is there's just not a whole lot of, uh, companies that are willing to give up their HR data, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're not just going to show you, you know, <laughs> if they're having an, an employee attrition problem, yeah. but the folks at IBM, uh, IBM Watson, they, they actually put a data set out. And so as you can imagine, they, they do a lot of consulting. And while they, they came up with a data set that was, it's not, it's not necessarily like real life data or, uh, it, it was like actually like artificially generated, but it's based on, uh, or at least I believe this to be the case based on, on their own consulting experiences and their data scientists experiences, uh, actually working with, with that type of kind of HR data. So, uh, it had all sorts of features to it. I think it had like 35 or so features. Um, the, the target was, was attrition, whether or not, you know, each, each row was, or observation was a, uh, an employee, um, over a certain time period. And, you know, the, uh, one of the columns, which was the target is attrition, whether or not that, that employee left the company during that particular time frame. So you got a bunch yeah. of, uh, independent variables, like, yeah. So know. then you have a bunch of features, independent variables that um, hopefully you can use to describe that data uh, wh or whether or not they, they, they um, left the company. Can you so, give us some examples sorry, of the independent variables just so we can build a mental model? Yeah. I mean, it, it had all sorts of things in it, um, like their, their wage, what, what their job role was, uh, whether or not they um, lived close to the company or how, how close they lived to the particular uh, the, the plant or, or location that they commuted to, you know, just just like all sorts of um, crazy H HR data that uh, you can actually collect, and in, um, in, in companies, a lot of companies do collect just to really characterize that employee. So um, some of it could be performance measures, you know, things like their most recent performance appraisal. How did how did they do on like a scale of one to five? You know, it's really just kind of. A lot of just uh, just different data uh, that you can hopefully use to, and, and not all all of it's going to be, you know, important for this problem, but um, some some of it it turned out was. So yeah, that that article was just uh, it it, it kind of blew up. Um, we've got the H two O piece, and you can actually like if you Google predict employee turnover, that'll be the first article that pops up. So uh, in that article, you can see like all of the code. We actually walked through that whole data science workflow from, you know, importing the data to if, if we have to clean it and then pre-processing to actually util utilizing the H2O package um, and automated machine learning. And it was, I mean, I think for a lot of people, it just kind of hit a lot of the points that they're really looking for in an article because it really, it, you know, it's a, it's a pertinent problem. It's got some advanced tools and it shows people how to use them. I mean, like literally, this is the, the type of stuff that I use when I'm consulting uh, with, with my own firms, which, you know, that's <laughs> kind of a, a strategic choice that I took and, or tactical choice um, to, to, you know, feel, let people see some of the code. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's a good decision in the long run just because we're, we're helping progress the community and, uh, and give people insight that they might not normally have. That's, that's very admirable. And, so since since that article, have you had a chance to do any actual um, HR consulting if, uh, if with real clients, or are you still looking to get into that space? 
Yeah, no, um, we, we actually did that to, um, to, uh, land a, a fortune 500 co- client that we were really trying to, um, impress. <laughs> wow. So, w- that way, way to impress a client. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so so um, we ended up did get uh, we we got the job. Uh, we work with them on actually um, another problem that they have, or not that they have, but they're trying to solve. It's uh, they were actually trying to target people for, I think it was executive promotion or executive succession planning. So we we did um, we we utilized uh, some more advanced tools to to really kind of showcase what insights we could gain from their particular data. But we were able to use a, a similar process and actually identify, I think, 16 or so people that they that they did not currently have uh, pegged as executive uh, potential. So, Okay, wow, that's really cool. That, that, that's a very cool project then. All right, so what about, uh, what about the other article that you have that's uh, quite popular as well? Yeah, so, so sales analytics, it's a very similar approach. So what what we're trying to do there is uh, predict product back orders. And what, uh, for those that, of, um, that might be listening that don't maybe necessarily know what product back orders are, so a, a, a back order happens when, so say, say you're Apple and you have, uh, you just released your new iPhone, iPhone X, immediately that, that, that product pretty much goes into a back order situation because you know, Apple just doesn't have the supply to uh, be able to supply to all of the demand. So that, that's one kind of case. That's a special case, though, uh, where it's uh, a new product that you're rolling out uh, and you may just not like you, you kind of know going into it that you're not going to have enough product. So you can elect whether or not to take a back order. And typically back orders aren't good because uh, it just means that your customers have to wait until you are able to get you know more products into inventory to be able to, to supply that demand. What really a lot of companies are concerned with, though, are during like peak seasons. Uh, so, like for example, you know Walmart has so many different SKUs. Uh, a SKU again for for people that are uh, maybe unfamiliar, it's just it's a a product number, a unique identifier uh, for a particular product. Like um, say like I don't know cleaning supplies. Um, you know, a particular uh, cleaning product might have a, a, a certain SKU that identifies it and separates it from another cleaning product. What a company like Walmart or like Home Depot are typically interested in is you know seasonalities, and what can what can we do within the data to predict whether or not a product's going to be back ordered. Um, another example, may, and I and I actually write about this in the article, is uh, snowblowers at Home Depot. You know, it's, it's something that like you can actually u- utilize like external data. So like weather data. So if, if we're projected to have a um, snowstorm, they better be stocked up on, on, uh, you know, snow blowers and, and, uh, you know, other, other supplies. Makes help. sense. Cause it's, yeah, it's a very, um, you know, you, you can actually predict those back orders with that data quite easily. Basically what we looked at was, and I'm trying to think where the data set, I think that one actually came from Kaggle and it's, to identify this for a particular manufacturer, whether or not products were uh, were projected or could be predicted to go on back order, uh, it's it's just a true false, uh, very it's a it's a binary uh, classification problem. And uh, what we're trying to do is utilize we end up use, using the same type of pattern with H two O, except we kind of took it to the next level, and um, it, and it's actually a little bit more of an advanced article 
because we then um, tie it to the business case and try and optimize profitability using precision and recall. So um, I think it's a, it's a really good case study for those um, that want to be able to try to tie these machine learning models to actual business and financial success, and in, in, in this case, profitability. Okay, well, that's that's a very cool uh, way to approach it, and uh, that's that's kind of like what a lot of data scientists miss. They forget to analyze how that you know whatever they're doing, their results, their insights affect the bottom line of the business, not just five snowblowers or five hundred snowblowers, but actually in numbers in forecast. Yes. Uh, which is that that element that's executives and managers are after at the end of the day. Yeah, I, and it, because we're in, in consulting, I mean, that's really what we need to be able to show our clients is to, you know, if at the end of the day, they need to see that ROI or the, uh, what the effect is on the bottom line or the top line and really see how it, how it um, impacts the business. And if you can do that, you're going to be successful. Yep, exactly. Uh, being in consulting, you definitely have to take... Take that into account. So you mentioned H2O twice now, and uh, also you, before the podcast, you told me about H2O World. You just you just came back from H2O World, is that right? No, no. Um, H2O World is in December, so I'll be speaking. Yeah, I'll be I'll be doing a um, a, a presentation. Mm-hmm. So for that, that's that's a whole event dedicated to this one package. Yeah, so H2O, and I don't even know what all they do. Um, it's a very interesting company. So you have H2O AI or .ai, which is their website. And if you go on there, they offer all sorts of tools um, in Python and R. And then they actually offer like online tools um, so that way people that don't even um, that that can't that that maybe don't necessarily work in Python or R, but but still want to be able to do machine learning on their data. They offer tools for that as well. Um, I, I've actually never used that. I've only used the the R package uh, H2O, which is kind of like a, a local. Um, you're able to run H2O locally on your computer, and um, it, it's pretty it's pretty slick. Mm-hmm. That's that's so cool. And is this has this event been on before H2O World? So H2O World, um, I'm not exactly sure how long. I know I'm pretty sure they did it last year. I'm not um, sure about. Uh, the year before, or how long they've oh, been okay. running? Okay, I was it. just wondering if you you had been if you attended before. No, this this is my first uh, opportunity. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, blogging primarily with with H two O, so I, I've actually gotten to know some of those individuals just through social media. Yeah, it ended up that we uh, could could work it out that I'd, I'd be able to get out there this year and, and do a presentation for them. Nice, nice. Well, congrats. Um, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I hope you might meet some of our listeners there. And guys, if you're listening to this and you're going to H2O World, then make sure to check out Matt Dencho's session uh, and come up to him and say hi. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be talking a little bit about business science, but primarily about that HR analytics article yep. and, uh, and and really kind of walking people um, through what we learned through that process and um, how, how we decided to attack the problem. So you'll get you'll get a few insights that you don't normally get that you won't be able to get through the, the blog post. Yeah, yeah. You got you got to leave something special for, for those who put in the extra <laughs> effort, right? Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. OK. And so you definitely have more articles there, such as the customer segmentation of k-means and more but like what i wanted to talk about now unless there's another case study you want to share with us is there anything like interesting that's happened in the past couple of months that you'd like to share 
I mean, the other stuff that we do, we're really focused on the open source community, um, developing our, our own in-house packages, primarily related to time series analysis. So there's, if you go onto our website, there's categories. So go to, go to the blog section, and then you, you can get to categories, and they have uh, ones on time series analysis. They, uh, we also do code tools, which is primarily for updating people on the new, you know, as our packages evolve and, and we come out with new versions. But really... I think there's kind of the, these two cohorts of people that are that, that would be interested in, and it's people that are interested in solving business problems. Um, there's a bunch of case studies on there uh, related to business, and then there's also uh, the financial and investment side and, and time series side. So if you go on there and you're interested in time series, definitely check it out. You know, there's a, a, a ton of um, articles on there. I'm, I don't even know how many we're up to now, but <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. Okay, well, that, that's really cool. Thanks, thanks for, so much. I'm, I'm sure uh, these will be useful for our listeners. I like what I like about your articles is that they've got a lot of pictures. Like you actually have these charts and code snippets, so not just uh, just text that you know some people can get bored, but uh, you actually extract uh, insights along the way of the analysis. I think that's pretty valuable as well in itself. Yeah, it's a, it's a good good tool for education. Uh, we walk people through. I mean, they're all walkthroughs. They yeah. aren't just like, hey, hypothetically, you could do this. No, we're we're showing you how you can do it, and we and we do a lot a lot of that with uh, the visuals, and you see the the charts that are created, and and how we go through our analytical process. Mm. And uh, how long does it take you to write one of these articles? It varies. Some of them we can just get done in probably a day or two, especially if it's just, you know, uh, recapping, you know, a software update like, hey, you know, this is the new functionality yeah. in TidyQuant or Tibble Time. But if it's like the, the sales analytics article, which is probably our longest article, that, that took probably about three weeks to, to put that together. Okay. Yeah, it, it's I mean, it, you got to you got to think there's there's a lot that goes into it, like in, in terms of research. And also, like uh, we we implemented different frameworks. For example, like the um, the, the the one framework, um, it's the expected value framework. Um, we had to research that and uh, make sure that we were implementing it properly. So, and that that comes out. Uh, the the source for that is uh, it's how how to use uh, data science for business. I think there's a, there's a book that's out there on that. Wow. So yeah, so so it's a it's a pretty <laughs> it's a pretty heavy process. Um, or at least it can be. Gotcha. And uh, like I checked the code updates, and you have quite a few there. Uh, what is what did, like uh, from a person who's developed a package and multiple actually? What goes into maintaining a packet and our package and making sure it's not out of date and adding more functionality uh, over time? So um, GitHub has been very like a, a critical tool for us. Because so we have um, our own GitHub account and uh, our users, the users that of our packages are are our libraries, so uh, they can go on there and they can actually uh, submit an issue and they can actually even work with us on on particular uh, requests so they can make a pull request. And what is really good about the the open source community is that you put this product out there and it's just your vision of what you think it should be. But literally in three months or six months, and, and as it, it becomes used more in the open source eyes, uh, that, that community aspect of saying, hey, you know, you know people, when people have issues, they'll, they'll submit them. And then if, if you're lucky, some of them even want to, um, to work with you on them. So, for example, uh, Davis, my software manager, 
he, he was uh, one of the initial super users. I call them super users because they, they like adopt them really quickly. Uh, he, he was he was the first one of the first super users of uh, the TidyQuan package. Really really got where we were going with it, and and had a couple of uh, ideas of his own. So I ended up actually bringing him on the team. Oh, awesome! And um, do you have any stats uh, around how many people use your packages? Yeah, actually, there's a package in R. I think it's called Cran Logs. Uh, you can you can uh, download it off of Cran, <laughs> and and it has the the logs of of how many downloads you get. So we we do track that. I mean, it's not a statistic that I really. Um, it doesn't mean a whole lot to the to business science, um, but but personally, I, I like to see. You know, obviously, you want to create software that's being used. I think we're up to like twenty three or twenty four thousand downloads, and uh, it, it was just released the last day of the year last year. So it's it, it's been out less than a year. Wow. Yeah, we're at I think around twenty three or twenty four thousand downloads. Awesome. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it's actually growing too. So that's that's what's nice to see. You you don't want to see it just kind of like flatline. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very cool. Okay, so I have an interesting question for you. Uh, on now jumping from the technical to the business side of things. I love I love these podcasts when we can talk about some business, some technical. <laughs> these are the best. What would you say to a person who's listening to this podcast and who wants to start a consulting company in the space of data science but is not really interested or equipped to create a package and become popular or in demand that way? What what's another way that you you could recommend somebody to go about this? So the biggest thing is, is honestly people. You have to be able to market yourself. And this is like one of the biggest misconceptions with a consulting company is that you know how to do something very well. So you've got supply, right? Well, there's there's also another aspect of it, and that's the marketing aspect of the or, or in general terms, the awareness. So you have to have some way to make people aware that you ex- that you exist and you're ready and you want to work with um, with companies or, or you know whoever your target audience might be so if you aren't equipped to do you know the, the way that that obviously that that's one way that that you could go about it is to make an R package and then hopefully it, get, it becomes popular I would say that that's kind of a, a unique circumstance because really I wasn't going after that um, it just kind of happened that way I think the, the big thing though for me is um, GitHub having a solid, you know, whatever you want to call it, collection of, of of code samples where you can show people, you know, what you've been doing. Then also blogging. Blogging's huge, um, and I think David Robinson he just had a uh, uh, an article on you know why new data scientists should all create a blog. Oh, that's um, that's really interesting. We should we yeah. should link that in the in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, something that's that's really interesting to me uh, personally because I, I found that beneficial also to to get to gain awareness. So you know, you, you really just need to get yourself out there. I wouldn't spend a whole lot of money like trying to you know, <laughs> like tar- you know, use Facebook or whatever. Like I, I've personally actually even spent money before and it hasn't it hasn't um, panned out for me uh, specifically. So. What I've found really beneficial, though, is just getting your name out there either through blogs or through, um, you know, creating packages, being involved in the community. Okay, that's that's some great great advice, and I totally agree on that blogging one. And like any kind of exposure you can get, I, we've had speakers on the show who are just blogging for fun, and then all of a sudden a, a company approaches them and asks them to 
to perform some sort of analytics or visualization that they've uh, showcased on their blog before and that's how their career started so um, definitely like just following your passion but also telling people about it telling getting out there in the world otherwise they'll never find you okay um so let's move on to some rapid fire questions we're coming to the end of the podcast are you ready for some rapid fire questions <laughs> okay uh, yeah let's let's uh, fire away all right what tools do you use on a daily basis? I think we've covered that pretty much, but yeah. in summary. Uh, <laughs> okay, so in R, I use primarily the Tidyverse. Uh, that's for those that aren't aware of that. Um, it's a collection of, of packages, most of them developed by RStudio. And it just makes the data science workflow, like everything from importing data, connecting to databases, to modeling, to um, iterating, uh, visualizing. Uh, it makes it really easy. So um, some of the packages within the Tidyverse, the most popular, I think, is Dplyr um, and ggplot2. Those are the two most most uh, popular packages that I use like all the time. And then there's uh, obviously for time series, I, I, I'm, I've been developing these packages, uh, and so has Davis, TidyQuant, TimeTK, TibbleTime. You know, those are are, uh, are really good tools. Awesome. And then machine, yeah, machine learning uh, H2O. What's your favorite machine learning technique? Okay, so my favorite technique uh, was XGBoost, but now that I'm starting to get into deep learning, that's going to be, uh, I think, the the big area because of just being able to, like, with deep learning being good for identifying interactions between variables, which which happens quite frequently in uh, in business or even financial data. So that's, that's kind of uh, where I see myself going. H2O is great, though. <laughs> they have that auto- automated machine learning, which, which I think is probably going to scare some people because uh, it's, you know, they're, they're going to be like, fearful for their jobs, uh, some, some data scientists, because it's automated now. But um, it's, it's just so good for um, being able to get a high-accuracy algorithm uh, very quickly and efficiently, which, which I view as a huge benefit. You don't have to spend a whole lot of time like, trying to tune uh, or do grid search or you know, hyperparameter tuning, you know, all that fun stuff. Awesome. Okay. Uh, next question. Um, what's the biggest challenge you've ever had as a data scientist? The biggest challenge, I mean, honestly, um, it's not really on the data science end. It's actually more on the communication end. So one thing that can happen, and it's it's very difficult when you're talking with like when you when you as the data scientists are interfacing with either a client or it might even be somebody um, that's just you know it could be within your own organization, uh, just just being able to communicate the results and you know be being open-minded with them and being able to kind of educate them in the process without being, you know, like, Hey, this is the result. You, you know, this is like what, what, you know, cause, cause oftentimes, you know, they, they have a belief of, of the way things work and, um, and, and that may not necessarily be the reality, but you don't want to like, you have to, you have to be, um, open-minded and see from their, their point of view too. And then the, the last thing, too, that we, we get into trouble sometimes is, uh, and, and this is actually, I've, I've <laughs> iterated my business model because of this, is really understanding that business side of it, the business problem. We spend a lot of time up front really analyzing and asking a lot of questions and just listening because we, we want to understand totally 100% like how to dissect their business and, um, and really be able to implement you know, predictive analytics and get the desired you know, result. 
Gotcha. Okay, that's uh, communication. So at the start, at the end, complete. Totally agree. A lot of people miss the first part in the fir- in the at the start completely, and then they can't even do the the last part. I think that's um, those are the yeah. Things I th- very important. I think I think one one thing too. I, I just want to bring up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got these competitions like Kaggle out there, where uh, it, it almost to me it like trains the um, the data scientist to like really focus like only on creating the most you know the, the best model but that that's really such a small part of, of being a data scientist in my mind really is really it's it's understanding the business or the problem at hand whether you know it could be you know what, whatever it is um, just really framing that problem and, and developing interesting questions to be able to, to understand and, and, and answer that and, and come up with a solution. Gotcha. That's uh, that's definitely a, some some really good words of wisdom in terms of um, yeah, it's data science. Not all just about modeling. It's it's a whole end to end process, and uh, you, people got to master all of it. Um, all right. Uh, next question: What is a recent win you can share with us that you've had in your work? Recent win. Recent win. Um, you mentioned you landed a Fortune five hundred company. That sounds pretty big. Yeah, that that was that was huge. That that was actually very huge. You know, I think I think I think one of the big things too. One of the metrics that I that I follow. Uh, so so the Fortune 500. That that to me is super huge. But the thing that I'm most focused on really right now is is like my KPIs for the website and actually being able to um, grow our network. So it's it's not necessarily attacking business straight on, but um, but actually seeing. The network grow. One of the the biggest things, a key a key win for me, was uh, the CEO of a very prominent financial institution actually came up to me at the Earl Conference here um, in uh, that, that I just attended in Boston a couple weeks ago, and he had been using um, our 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 package TidyQuant. And he, you know, introduced himself as actually like a fan of the of the package and really liked what we were doing. And actually, um, he, he wanted to work with us on on um, uh, growing that package. So that's really that, cool. That, yeah, that was awesome. I mean, to me, that was just like like I was kind of awestruck at him because he's just you know the CEO of this like very prominent financial institution, and, and you know, I w- it was just very humbling. Yeah, awesome. Okay, well, congrats. You got some some very big wins. Looks like you're yeah. doing the right thing. Okay, what is your one most favorite thing about being a data scientist? So being a data scientist is really cool. I appreciate the learning aspect of it. So, you know, I have always been kind of somebody that never takes conventional wisdom. Like I always have to kind of figure it out for myself and sometimes to a fault. But, you know, for, for me, it's like being able to, you know, what, what, what cooler thing can you do? Like I'm a, I'm a data guy. So, um, analytics, you know, I kind of grew up and I, and I, you know, my story now with that, but really having the combination of code, the combination of, uh, statistics and machine learning now, now, uh, these, these machine learning algorithms that are evolving. So being able to tinker with those and, and kind of just try and figure things out, and really uh, help answer the questions that I have as just like a, a curious person. I now have this super robust set of tools um, to help me uh, answer just about any question. Fantastic! That's uh, makes you made data science uh, sound like Superman. 
So <laughs> you got a rob- or like Batman more, like you have a robust yeah. set of tools. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, an interesting philosophical question from what you've seen in data science and from uh, the way it's evolved, where do you think this field is going and what should our listeners look into to prepare for the future? So in terms of the field of data science, I mean, again, we're, I, I think we're still just in the beginning with it. We've got a lot of tools that are that are evolving, and I think we're going to be going more towards, you know, automated tools. Like I, I love what H2O is doing right now with um, actually making it easier to, come, to get um, like these high accuracy models now. So where I really see the benefit is uh, in a different part of data science, which is actually communication. So uh, we talked a little bit about shiny web applications. I really see that as being a huge benefit for businesses. That's something that uh, business science we're actively investing a lot of time into. Um, And some of our first projects, actually, I think like our first five projects with the client were shiny web apps. But uh, it's it's being able to distribute analytics interactively. Like so you've got a machine learning algorithm. You're trying to forecast something or you're trying to uh, predict whether, you know, an employee is going to uh, to churn. You have to have a way to distribute that information to non-technical people uh, in, a, in a wide audience. And I think Shiny is the way to do that, or at least one of the ways you've got Power BI and Tableau, as other uh, that Kirill you had mentioned. You know, I, I really see that as kind of the future of data science as being both you know, good at the tools, understand you need to know the tools inside and out and understand them. I think the tools are going to get easier to use, but, and I, but I think down the road, what's really going to become very powerful is, is being able to communicate that data in, a, in an interactive way. Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you. That's a, that's a very apt answer. Sums it up very nicely. And I totally agree with uh, what people should be looking into to become super powerful data scientists and Um, change the world Um, all right so thank you so much for coming on the show can you share with us uh, some of the places of the many places where people can contact you or get in touch or even just follow you and your company to see what you guys get up to in the coming future yeah absolutely like i said just uh, google business science um, and that that the first hit should be our website Um, again it's it's www.business-science.io and uh, we're also on Twitter and LinkedIn. Those are our, our two primary uh, social media platforms. Facebook, I'm I'm just kind of like dipping the toes in the in the water, but uh, we are we are on uh, Facebook as well. Twitter and LinkedIn definitely. You can actually even if you want to contact me specifically, my email is mdancho at business-science.io. Mm-hmm. Or you can either you can also contact me through the website um, and you know just let me know what your thoughts are and stuff. Um, I love feedback. I love hearing from uh, the community, positive or negative. Uh, if there's things I should be doing differently um, or, or business science could be could be doing, awesome. yeah, definitely get definitely get in touch. Thanks. And is it okay for listeners to uh, connect with you on LinkedIn directly? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Matt Dancho on LinkedIn. Yeah, just uh, hit me up. Awesome. Yeah. Get in touch with Matt, guys. I have one final question for you today. What is your one favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners for them to become better data scientists? Okay. Uh, uh, R4 Data Science. It's a free online book. It's by uh, two gentlemen at our studio, uh, Hadley Wickham and Garrett Groleman. Uh, if you're just starting out in R, if you're just um, you know, starting out in data science, 
read that book. It's it's all online. It's very easy to navigate, and um, it'll it'll really walk you through some of the uh, the robust but but new tools in R that really make it uh, super easy to learn R. Uh, R R used to be very difficult to learn. It's it's not anymore with the tidyverse. So you'll enjoy that book. Awesome. Thank you so much. And once again, thanks so much for coming on the show and spending some time here to share all your experiences and insights into the world of not just R, but data science in general. Yeah, th- thanks. My pleasure, Kirill. Yeah, I really love what you guys are doing uh, at Super Data Science. And um, I'm also really interested in uh, your conference that you have now, uh, Data Science Go. Oh, thanks. So, Will we see you yeah. at the next Data Science Go? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be there. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Thanks, mate. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Kirill. So there you have it. That was Matt Dencho, founder of Business Science. I hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast episode and picked up quite a few interesting things. What I liked about this podcast is, of course, how it combines the space of data science with business. Those are always interesting to see how people go about creating businesses in uh, consulting for data science because it is such an in-demand space. And Uh, If you're thinking of creating a data science consulting firm or a data science business or even being a freelancer uh, data science consultant, then I'm confident that you found Matt's journey uh, interesting. And another thing that I found of value in this podcast was Matt's comment on deep learning in R. I wasn't up to date with uh, how things are going uh, in that space, but it's good to hear that the developers of R and R Studio are looking into creating accommodating more the space of deep learning because that uh, is uh, definitely something that Python has over R at the moment. But that gives us hope that if you're an R fan, then with time, these uh, packages and libraries such as Keras will be implemented in R as well, and that will open up the world for deep learning. And I'm not saying that deep learning is a must, that you have to study deep learning in order to be successful. No, but it's always good to have that option. Good to know that the tool that you're studying will allow you to progress into that space which is such a booming area uh, and as Matt pointed out even his business is slowly going into the space of deep learning more and more so there we go hope you enjoyed this episode make sure to head on over to www.superdatascience.com slash 109 and there you will find all of the links to the resources that Matt mentioned and including his LinkedIn so make sure to uh, hit him up and uh, follow him on LinkedIn as well as other Uh, places like Twitter and uh, also check out his blog. I had a look at some of the articles, very well written, very interesting, especially uh, that uh, article that took him three weeks to write about HR uh, analytics. I think that's a very interesting case study as well. So there you go. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, If you know anybody in the space of data science that might be thinking of starting a consultancy or going out as a freelancer, send them the link to this episode. This might help them out. And on that note, Thanks so much for being here today. I look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, happy analyzing.